Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we have conversations with ordinary people to learn how our extraordinary God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited you've joined us. I'm excited to have in the studio with me today for our weekly interview here on Sound of Truth, Eric Gillis. Eric is the owner-operator of our local Chick-fil-A. Full disclosure, right out of the gates, three of my children work for Eric. <laughs> Started with my oldest, oh, that's been I, almost three years ago, I guess, and then, oh, I don't know how long it's been, um, and then his younger brother and his younger sister. We're very grateful for Eric's leadership, not just at Chick-fil-A, but also in the community. This Chick-fil-A is like, I believe a lot of Chick-fil-A's are very active in the community, and I've been impressed with Eric and his servant leadership, his servant spirit, which comes from his relationship with Jesus Christ, which we're going to talk about in this episode. Eric is married to Naomi. They've been married about 17 years now. They have five children. They met in college through their the college ministry at their church here in the Mandarin area of Jacksonville. He's a graduate of the University of North Florida. Five kids ranging in age from 12 down to six. Your wife has her hands full, doesn't oh, yes. she? Oh, yeah. Eric, welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. So glad to have you here. Thank you. Honored to be, honored to be your guest today. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that we're going to get two episodes out of our time together today, one for this week and one for next week. This week, I'd like for us to focus on your story. Tell us about the life of Eric Gillis and with a specific emphasis we'd like to know on how you came to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Absolutely. Well, I uh, I grew up mostly here in Jacksonville, spent the, you know, the most of my life here. Grew up in a family. I've got two sisters, one younger, one older. And as far as I remember back, our family always grew up going to church. And for the, my childhood, that was between two different churches, primarily a local Lutheran church here in town. And then the majority of my childhood was spent at an Episcopal church here in town. And so a lot of great memories you know, it's the typical student, uh, public high school, played some sports, things like that. And I was involved in my youth group um, as a kid throughout all of high school, middle school, high school. And, uh, you know, church was always a part of my life. And looking back on it, you know, I, I grew up in the church, but I know now that I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. Um, I don't, you know, it's it's kind of like you don't know what you don't know. My mm-hmm. eyes hadn't been open to to what that meant, um, and so I can get into a little bit of the of kind of how that happened. I now, if you don't mind me interrupting, yeah. knowing a little bit about both of those faith traditions, the mm-hmm. Lutheran and the Episcopal, they both practice what we call infant baptism. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming in one of those two settings, you were baptized. Yeah. <clears throat> I. I was baptized as a child. I don't remember exactly when it was, okay. but I was baptized as a child. And So did you go through some type of confirmation yep. class with either the Episcopal or the Lutheran or both? Yep. With the, with the Episcopal church is when I did confirmation. So okay. it, was, it was probably early high school time frame, yeah. okay. um, went through a confirmation class. And even though I went through that class at the time, I had no idea what it meant to confirm my faith. I, mm. That word confirmation, I, you know, looking back as an adult, you know what the, what that was designed to be for. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it wasn't, it was just church activity for me. Mm-hmm. And it's what, what you did because that's what the kids in the church did. So as you look back on that, did you at the time feel like this is authentic? I'm doing this authentically, or were you just kind of like checking the box and saying, this is what I'm supposed to do, but, but you were kind of leading another life. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I would say I was never I was never the prodigal kid. I you know certainly had I I am a sinner and always have been. Uh, so I had things, but on the outside I was always a good kid. You know I I was a the kid that didn't cause any trouble, things like that. So I think there was intent in my heart of like, I wanted to pursue God. I wasn't fighting God. wasn't ever felt abandoned by God or anything like that, but it was mostly checking the box. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sometimes harder for good kids to come to Christ because it's harder for good kids to see their need of a savior. Yep. Yep. At what point did you start to see, I've got a sin problem here and I need to be saved. Yeah. So it was, it's fast forward to college. So I, I went away to Gainesville, ended up coming back to Jacksonville and going to UNF. And now, that was a big deal for you to go to Gainesville because you grew up a Gator, right? Yep. That was my dream. Gator mm-hmm. fan for life. Uh, huge, huge honor to, to be accepted into Gainesville. Not easy. For those who are from outside of Florida, they may not realize that it's, yeah. it's not easy to get your ticket punched to Gainesville. Yeah, I had a small group of friends coming from Jacksonville that I went there with, and I very quickly watched the majority of them launch into the typical college life. Parties, all everything that goes with that. Freedom. Yeah, and uh, and I had a small group of Christian friends that, that I kind of hung with and tried to you know, maybe go to a Bible study here, Bible study there. Again, it wasn't, uh, I didn't have a relationship with the Lord yet, but, but I was you still... believed yourself to be a Christian. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And yep. wanted to do the right thing. Correct. Okay. And, um, and some of those, those friends from that early on, my very freshman semester of college were instrumental in, in my spiritual development. So came back to UNF, uh, came back to Jacksonville, started at UNF and lived on my own. So I lived in the dorms in Gainesville and kind of lived on my own in an apartment with some friends back in Jacksonville. And these were friends that I had grown up with who had grown up in the church. And when I was now spending a whole lot more time with them, living with them, seeing the way people live who call themselves Christians, and I, I just began to see a disconnect with who I wanted to be, you know, spiritually, Mm-hmm. who my quote-unquote Christian friends were and how they lived their life, and then just a frustration of, I don't know how to get where I want to be. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was that kind of, that, that developed almost a searching in my soul of, I, I try to read the Bible, but I feel like I can't understand it. I try to stop sinning in this particular way, but I have no victory over it. And, and I knew that. And, I, and I, at the same time, I'm trying to be the good church kid and be the good example for younger people. And, but I just knew, even though I wouldn't have admitted it, I knew that there was something missing. And I began to see a very big difference between Christians who, as I began to see, had an authentic relationship with the Lord and people who had grown up in the church who clearly were living a sinful lifestyle that they were still my friends, but I could tell I didn't want to go down the path they were going down. So my freshman year of college was uh, 2001, September 2001, and I was at my dream school. Significant month in the life of our country, right? Yes, September 11th was that month, and uh, you know it was my first time away from home, first uh, college experience, and literally within a couple weeks of starting class, September 11th happened, and that 
shook everybody up. Uh, shook me up. Shook every 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 adult in the country. Obviously, uh, you'll never forget where you were when that happened. I was sitting in business calc uh, Tuesday morning, and I remember they came on the intercom and told us what happened, and we all left, ran to our dorms, mm. were glued to the TV for the next few days. Mm-hmm. And so, two days later, September thirteenth, that same year, uh, freshman semester of college, my older sister, who is also in Gainesville as a student was on her way back to Jacksonville for the weekend and was in a horrific car accident. And, you know, by the time I found out, I'm getting a phone call from my parents that night, Thursday night, that they're already in town because they found out, you know, after they, she was life flighted at the hospital. She's now back in the hospital in Gainesville where Mm. I'm at. And so my world that was already spinning because of September 11th and first time out of home and 18 years old. And, and now that, that trauma in my own family um, was was just a world upside down type thing, you know. Double hit. Yeah. You're part of this national trauma. Before you can even come up for air hardly two days later, now something much more significant for you yeah. guys happened. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, you know, if you've ever been through something like that with a family member, it just puts everything else on hold, you know, and, and it has to. And so I was a student trying to start at UF and my whole semester just kind of derailed. I, I still made the grades I needed to make, but most of my time was spent at the hospital between visiting with my sister, being there with my parents, just trying to keep it all together. And so ultimately that led me back to Jacksonville when Mm -hmm. she was able to uh, be healthy enough to recover and be transferred to a rehab facility in Jacksonville. I decided to come, come back and be with family there. Okay. Yeah. So now you're at the University of North Florida. Mm-hmm. So I, and I really initially loved University of North Florida. Going from big school to small school, it was a lot more my pace. I liked being near the beach. Mm. There was really nothing about Gainesville, the city that I, that I liked in those few months that I lived there. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I was not a believer yet. And so I was trying to plug in with college ministries. But you thought you were. Thought I was, yeah. you know, had had grown up in the church, and I was open to to learning, growing, you know, that kind of thing. Ultimately, what ended up leading me to the Lord was a relationship with a young lady. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd grown up dating just like the typical high school student dates. I I really didn't have any instruction on dating, and I don't I don't blame my parents for that or anything like that. But it's just the typical kid. You don't most parents don't tell their kids why you should date, who you should date what dating looks like as a teenager. And so I didn't know. I was just a typical high school student dating the way high school students date. And as I got back to Jacksonville, my older sister, who was in the car accident, had a friend who had a younger sister. And so they start talking, oh, my brother's, you know, back in town. And and so I, she's interested in meeting the younger sister of her friend and, and all these things. And so I end up meeting a young lady who um, was, a, was a couple years younger than me, and we started an interest in dating. And so that was the relationship, and I can tell you, tell you more of how it played out, but that was the relationship that ultimately pointed me to the Lord. Interesting. Yeah. In what way? So I had carried a lot of what I would consider bad habits from previous dating relationships mm-hmm. into this new one of okay. just, you know, being too much of the typical teenager male in a dating relationship. Okay. The young lady was a believer. 
And even though she was younger than me, I could tell that she had something that I didn't. Mm. And again, I, I couldn't, I couldn't explain it, couldn't describe it, <clears throat> but and we didn't date very long, maybe a couple months at most. Um, this is what happened. She, she came to me one day and she said, I want to talk with you. And we went together um, to a park and she sat down and, and basically explained that she was breaking up with me. And again, it wasn't like a huge heartbreak because I liked her, but we, we had only been together just a little while. But was is what she said. She said, I don't believe that you're where you need to be spiritually. And she said, my friends and I have been praying about it and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break up with you because you're not who I need as a spiritual leader. And, wow, how and, bold. Yes, extremely bold. She Again, I was a young college student. She was Good actually her. still a high school student. Yeah. And it was that moment that um, I realized somebody had called me out. For, really, for the first time in my life, mm-hmm. somebody who, who was getting to know the real me could see through my good church facade and see that I was really absent from a relationship with the Lord. And... Uh, you know, so I went home that day immediately after that experience. And, and for me, it was, it was one of these things where now looking back, it all makes sense. But I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? You, you prayed about this with your friends? Like, I'd, I never prayed about who I dated. Like, you prayed, you prayed for things like your sick grandmother, or, you know, help me get a good grade on this test. But I never prayed about relationships or who I was going to date. I mean, that was like, no, that's, that's what I do. I pray for God, pray to God for the big stuff, you know. He's there when you need him for the things you, you want. Right. But at that point in time, you didn't have any concept of following Christ and, and, and right. the comprehensiveness of the Lordship of Jesus in your life. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I, I left that meeting with her, that, that conversation, and the Lord had just placed conviction on my heart. And I went home that day and I, and I prayed, you know, that, that God would make me a real believer and that I, you know, confess that I cannot do it on my own. And I realized that void and for the first time really admitted, like, I've never made you the Lord of my life. Mm. And and that day is really, again, from the outside looking in, you might not have seen this transformation, but from on the inside, I know my heart was transformed. You know, my went from being dead to alive spiritually. Things that I used to struggle with, like having no clue how to get anything from the Bible. Now it was... You know, I wasn't I wasn't a Bible scholar day one, but I actually gleaned things from it, and I actually had a desire for it mm-hmm. and a, um, a new appetite. Yes, yeah. and a appetite for prayer that I had never had before. And so, interestingly enough, I you know I shared this with the young lady and said, "Hey, you know, I I want to I want to try this again, you know." And and we kind kind of continued basically what was a friendship, and it lasted a little while, and but it was a really you know, she is his instrumental in my story. You know, without, yeah. without that, you know, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be where I am at today. So now you're in an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You're born again, and you have a new hunger for his word and for prayer, and you want to grow in him. What yeah. next? Really the biggest transformation for my spiritual life at that point was realizing that I was not getting fed, you know, where my church, where I was at in the local Episcopal church. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing against those people or that denomination. It was just, I realized I needed biblical teaching and biblical mm-hmm. instruction in my life that I wasn't getting there. And so I ended up at a friend's church for mm-hmm. college ministry. I still attended the church that I had grown up in. And I, and I had a, a passion now to like make my faith, what I, what I was experiencing to ignite that in others. And so I still stayed at that church, 
but I needed fellowship and I needed biblical instruction elsewhere. And so I partnered with another local church here in town, which is where we still go today. And that was, I found a community of believers my age that, uh, that really was authentic and Mm -hmm. they were seeking the Lord and, uh, regular Bible studies and things that really connected with where I was at in life. And, uh, ultimately, you know, it was that fellowship and that, that biblical instruction that provide the foundation for, for me to grow myself. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I needed the, I needed the support system around me to show me what this looks like because I had, didn't, didn't really see it from, you know, growing up in my household, didn't really see it in my church. And now I was being, my eyes were being open to what spiritual life could look like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had a lot of great friends and and mentors pour into me then. And how did your parents receive all this? These changes and shift in yeah, so church life, et cetera. My parents, um, and I was living on my own at this point, so I wasn't living with them anymore. And I think there was part of me that was a little embarrassed to, you know, to really have the conversation with my parents about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I probably approached it in ways that weren't that good initially, because I'm, you know, even though I'm born again and and my life is different. I'm still a young, idealistic, 18-year-old kid, thinks they can change the world and thinks they know better than everybody else. And so I probably began to preach at my parents more than I did share what was going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Try to try to preach at them in the way that like, well, you, you know, you don't know this or you didn't teach me this and things like that. And it wasn't antagonistic. It was just um, probably not well received by them. So I think they were I don't think that they understood the true transformation that I'd had. And they think, you know, it's just, just little son, Eric, you know, growing up. Right. And so I struggled with trying to explain that transformation to them Mm -hmm. of, you know, like I'm thankful for where I've been, but where I'm at now is, is new. It's, it's literally different life. It's not, it's not reformed life. It's not like, more enlightened, it's it's different life yeah. because there was one spiritually dead, now I'm spiritually alive. And I think that's hard to hear if you're a loving parent that thinks you've done everything to grow to raise your kid in a Christian home. Sure. So, um, so yeah, it was again. It was I was also in the stage of life where I didn't really want to be around my parents all that much. You right. know, I was the kind of like, hey, I'll, I'll come home on the weekends here and there, and uh, I was happy to kind of separate. And so. Mm-hmm. You know, now, you know, we've, we've come a long way and it's, you know, we're all in a, a great relationship, but I think there was just a natural, like, I'm a young guy. I don't really need my parents in my life. Right. You know, a lot of, a lot of my parents input in my life right now. So, um, so you met Naomi, met Naomi at this Bible study fellowship. Um, she was, uh, also new to Jacksonville, so she didn't really know anybody. And I was actually in a small relationship with another young lady when I met Naomi. So this would be my very first relationship as a new believer. I had started dating another young lady. And so initially Naomi and I met and we were just friends and because I was interested in another young lady. And uh, when that relationship ended, um, ultimately that relationship ended because I realized for the first time I had a responsibility as a man to guard her heart, guard my own heart, if this relationship was not going to lead to marriage, I had no business being in it. And so again, I'd never received biblical instruction on dating before. And so I got into this, you know, new relationship with a, with a believer, but I realized my heart wasn't 
thinking about marriage and that quick relationship ended and I, and I had, it had marked my life to the point where I didn't want to be that guy anymore. Right? Mm. I wanted to be, I wanted to embody the idea of courtship and I don't want to be irresponsible with another, another woman's feelings and heart if I'm not interested in marriage with mm-hmm. them. And so Naomi and I, if you heard her side of the story, it would, she would tell you how long it took for me to officially ask her out because I was coming out of that going, ah, if I'm going to date somebody else, it has to be somebody who I think I'm going to get married to. Mm-hmm. And so I really took my time being her friend first. And it was one of those where everybody thought we were dating. Are you dating? We're not sure. And frustrating for her more so than me. But um, I just kind of knew, well, when whenever we start dating, you know, if there's no red flags that pop up, we're, we're moving towards marriage. Yeah, it'll, you know? it'll get serious quick then. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, we met and probably a year later we started dating. Six months after dating, we were engaged. Six months later, we were married. Okay. So. You had graduated from college when you got married. Yes. Yep. I got married uh, September after I graduated in May. Okay. And were you already kind of knowing what you're going to do with your life at that point? No idea. Mm-hmm. No idea. I... Honestly. So how'd you get from there to Chick-fil-A ownership? Yeah. And, uh, and let, I'll tell you what, if you could just give us the, the two-minute elevator version of how you got from there to Chick-fil-A ownership, then I want to come be, have you come back and tell the whole Chick-fil-A story for you and whatever you yeah. want to share about that in a Absolutely. second episode. Absolutely. So I, when we got married, I thought I'd be going into ministry. We got married and, and we both agreed. In the vocational ministry. In the vocational ministry. ministry, yep. Pursue seminary. We both agreed, let's be married for a year first mm-hmm. and just get jobs, build our foundation as a marriage, uh, not move, not start something crazy big in our first year of marriage. And so we came to that year mark and I has been working a full-time job and I decided to go to seminary. And in that process, my full-time day job was not, it left a lot to be desired, didn't have a, a strong future for me there. And so um, I got a part-time job at Chick-fil-A. And I was hoping it would turn into more, but uh, it didn't right away. Um, but ultimately, about a year and a half after I graduated college, I dove all in at Chick-fil-A. I was pursuing seminary at the same time. I didn't know where the Lord would lead us. And so I can tell you more about that as we go into it. But uh, pursuing ministry, Chick-fil-A, and, and ultimately, you know, God uh, saw fit to show me my ministry at Chick-fil-A. So, I was going to say, you are in the ministry, brother. Yeah. Just not the way you maybe expected. So that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about that next week. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. And we invite our guests to come back and join us for the second part of our interview with Eric Gillis. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville is copyrighted by Brett A. Mirani, 2022.